0: Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC.
1: So it's very important that if you're going to do that type of of, um, advertisements, that you've actually got to really focus on, can we actually do products, or is the television better just for brand awareness...
0: Welcome to the Jersey Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slesher. I'm the editor of the Jersey Professional Magazine and the Jersey Professional Online. And today we have our Managing Director, Naomi Burley, and of course, our Regulatory Expert, Carol Ferguson. Hi, Carol. Hi, Naomi. How are you guys doing?
2: Hi, Kwame. I'm very well. Hi, Kwame. Happy Friday.
0: <laughs> yes, it is a happy Friday. So um, what we're going to be talking a bit about today is advertising financial products and services um, and looking at the RG234. So, Carol, let's just jump straight into it. What is RG234? Exactly.
1: Okay, RG234 is is ASIC's guidance on advertising for financial um, products and services, including credit products. And they've issued some good practice guidelines to help us understand what what and how we should do for production of of advertisements. Um, As we all know, consumers rely on a variety of media. to determine what financial products they're going to go into. And so it's very important that um, the people, the promoters of the products, actually abide by certain guidelines um, to ensure that they're not misleading or deceiving customers into um, acquiring financial products. Um, The key issues as a starting point are that the ad must not be misleading or deceptive, it must be clear, concise and effective. So the messages must be messages that a consumer can understand. And again, um, following on from from our um, piece on um, RG168, the need for consumer testing to ensure that the messages that you are disseminating are understood by the audience but also don't mislead or deceive them into thinking the product is something other than what it is. So, you know, when you when you start from that point, RG234, which is a fairly hefty um, regulatory guide, and um, it's very important that everybody spends the time to read it very carefully because it covers every um, facet of um, uh, advertising of financial products. So from the promoter's side, from the use of celebrities and also from the media organisations themselves. So whilst the primary responsibility for the advertising material rests with the promoter, it also um, indicates that publishers and media outlets can also have liability in certain circumstances. So um, everybody understands the role of advertising, of course, and, and that it's um, the careful work that's undertaken to ensure that people um, are attracted to certain products. So, as an example, Bank West uses some very cunning fo- um, cartoons and, and um, belittles other people's ads by saying, well, we don't use helicopters and, and all of that sort of thing. And the message is young people come to us. And then for older people, it's all about look at the people in the advertisement. They're people like you and you can trust them because they look like ordinary human beings in your age group. So there's a a great segmentation in the advertising and that's a very key key component of ensuring that the messages that are getting out there are the right ones for the particular sector you're wanting to go to. So if you look, ASIC's put into the RG um, a good practice guidance, which is an overview of the issues there as to how they expect um, cons- um, advertisements to be put together. So, um, is there anything on on the issues that I've discussed yet, Naomi, that you'd like to sort of me to expand? Oh no, no,
2: I think that's great. Sorry, I'm just letting you run with setting the scene because you know this stuff back to front. <laughs> oh sorry and back to front and up and down so so
1: i'm not going to talk about everything because when you read the rg you'll see that it has a number of of issues and the and the beauty of it is it also has a number of extremely good examples that will help you to understand what it is and how you should to sign off on things so First off, I'm just going to say make certain your marketing people know you must sign off on every advertisement. You need to understand the material and it needs to be referenced back to the PDS to make certain that there is nothing said in the, in the advertisement which contradicts or augments what's in the pds so if for instance you say get your own tax advice in the pds but then in an advertisement put in oh the tax position is x then ASIC's going to come after you because the pds is clearly deficient so make certain that you're not swayed by the glamour of the advertisement um, if you go to an advertising house you'll be given lots of lovely coffee and Bikies and surrounded by glamorous people and that's fantastic but the better thing is to write out the guidelines for a particular advertisement so that the advertising house knows exactly what's required so when you say it must be this way it must be that way and they cannot de- um, deviate from it I had a particular instance myself where an advertisement was produced and and I put together a guidelines for the advertisement about you know, the disclaimer, the warnings, the wordings that needed to be used, etc. And the first cut of the ad bore absolutely no resemblance except from the fact it had everything against what I'd written. So um, it was one of those things where you thought, oh, that's funny. They've produced an ad that, you know, contradicts everything I said. And I said to the creative fellow, how fabulous that you've done this. And he said, but that's our first cut. <laughs> you <laughs> thought it was a spoof. <laughs> Yeah, I did. So you've got to be very careful because even with the best of intention, sometimes the creatives go creatively. Carol, so to to that
2: point, Mm. would it be really useful when you're doing that kind of thing to have it even laid out simply in a table? This must be in it. This can't be in it. And this is the area where you really need to think about your audience, like give them some risks, bits that they've got to actually think about and use their judgement on.
1: Yeah, generally what happens is that um, the marketing people go to an advertising agency and they say, we'd like an ad about X. The um, agency puts together a brief where they they effectively plot out what it is they're thinking about doing and then they send it to you And, and then that can be modified. The better thing is it's a bit like everything. If you give people the guidelines, as Naomi suggested, that means that the brief... And include that in the brief that is given to the market to the advertising house, then they've got the chance to actually ameliorate what they're thinking or change completely the direction of where they were going mm. to go. So it's quite important that those issues are upfront with them. I mean, advertising agencies will say, "Oh, we know all that stuff. Mm. Well, they might, but
2: they're obvious but they don't feel constrained by it. And I think that's the issue. And from a a compliance and risk point of view, it's your job to make sure that that it's done. It's not your job to rely on their expertise in this area. And having my advertising hat on from my dim, dark past as an advertising photographer, creatives will come at it from the point of view of who are you targeting, um, what's What are the attractive features of the product and how can we jazz it up and grab people's attention and make it stand out from everything else? They're going to be their three priorities, yeah. which can stray you right into the territory of being super misleading about the product.
1: Absolutely. And the ASIC guideline is, is a very, very clear that if you just want to talk about Um, attractive that's not great you actually have to sometimes put in risk and particularly for certain products risk is actually a very important factor so if for instance you're going into a product which is looks like it's all upside but on the other side you can't get your money out and all of those sorts of things then risk they're the types of risks that regardless of the form of the advertisement a a consumer needs to understand Mm.
0: Um, so what kind of penalties are we looking at if you uh, don't follow any of those things you uh, just mentioned?
1: Well, there's just been a tick-up of the, of the penalties. I think ASIC's trying to sort of follow Austrac, but they still haven't quite got into the Austrac territory. But um, the the penalties currently, and they were re- revised in July this year, for um, a company is a minimum, there's a 11.1 million, which is the sort of minimum, Sorry, it's the greater of 11.1 million maximum, three times the benefit obtained um, and the detriment that has been made. And this is the big one, or 10% of the annual turnover of the company capped at 555 million. So if it's a very bad ad, and it misleads a lot of consumers there are very very significant penalties for the for the company but equally for the individuals who may be brought into the whole thing because of their their lack of getting appropriate sign-offs and et cetera, it's um, $1.11 million or three times the benefit obtained. So that's that's a very significant penalty as well. So when considering these things, it's very important that that's in the back of your mind. So three
2: times the benefit wrong. obtained, you know, like if, you, if yeah. you put that in a risk matrix, you'd be really thinking about it because there's no, absolutely no ROI on the, on the product if, if you get that aspect wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And the trouble is, is that when you see some of the ads on the television at the moment, you think, oh, my God, you know, are they actually telling people, um, like, without naming, I can't name a name, um, <laughs> some of these um, after salary providers, after um, salary lenders, mm. some of them don't say that the interest rate is going to be likely to be 30%. Mm. Um, and I think it's a very, there is, I understand discussions within ASIC about taking further work against those types of providers because of the problems that are are already happening um, with with, um, um, distressed Mm -hmm. consumers as a result Mm -hmm. of COVID. So... ASIC's doing a piece of work at the moment focusing on advertisements that will impact um, consumers, particularly in the COVID times. And salary um, lenders are an obvious um, place for them to consider. Yeah.
2: What do you think about the considerations you need to give? So once you've done the brief for the advertising, they've produced something for a, for a series of different mediums, what do you think about the inherent risks in some of the mediums for it to end up being unintentionally misleading so i i the the one that immediately sprang to mind are all the ads they love to run at the train stations they're constantly interrupted mm-hmm. so you may, may only see the front part of that ad and if the disclaimer fine print down the bottom is shown at the end of the ad after you've gotten on your train um and, and the same thing with the linkedin ads i think there's an implied level of professionalism on the linkedin ads this there's, there's some kind of brand boosting that it would appeal to a different market are these some of the risks that you should consider as well when, when thinking about where you're going to place these ads?
1: Look, the bottom line is that when you're doing an advertisement, unless it's in a wholesale um, uh, industry journal, everything, everyone is retail. And because of that, you have to be extremely careful in the type of advertisements that you use and the methodology for, for delivery of it. and And I agree with you that, that there are certain financial products that are just not suited for, adverti- for advertisements that are not static in a train station scenario. And equally, that um, LinkedIn poses very significant problems because the banner ads on LinkedIn often don't have enough space to even say, please read the PDS or, you know, this um, past performance isn't um, an indicator of future performance or, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's only a very short period of time before ASIC will take further work against that. ASIC, of course, is focused on trying to promote electronic delivery of services and and so the linkedin ads and and other types of things are are very important for promoting that but the problem of course is is that it's the you can't assume that everybody is is a wholesale. Yeah, customer. and you certainly can't and assume because that just
2: because they're on LinkedIn they are a professional who is familiar with sophisticated financial no. products. Everybody uses LinkedIn no. to find a new job.
1: That's right, and th- there's no thing on LinkedIn saying before you enter this site are you a wholesale customer, yeah. um, and then immediately, of course, you are. You're you know in slightly different territory, but mm. doesn't matter whether you're wholesale or retail the key things are you must not be misleading or deceptive and the ad must be clear, concise and effective and understood by the by the audience that, that's going to be reading it. So if we sort of move on a little bit um, from that as to target audience, because I think target audiences are an example of where things can go particularly wrong. Because um, people, you know, as, as Naomi's highlighted, think that they're clever and that, you know, they're, they're not going to be impacted by things, but but often, you know, as an example, if you're doing a um, <coughs> sorry an advertisement for a forestry product, you might put a picture of a of a completed forest. Or if, if it's a, um, an, an advertisement for a property trust, there might be an um, architect's drawing of the completed building, but without anything saying this is only an example and is not the completed yeah. building. It's not so the building are, you're going to own. <laughs> it's not the building and it may, in fact, look completely different. So it's very, very important that in those circumstances people can say, well, you know, is it the right thing or isn't it? And and I think that the trouble is, is that sometimes um, people don't look at advertisements as clearly as they can. And partly that's because they flick through on the television. You don't have time to really look at it. it's the, the what's the word? You've got the sales point mm. and the, the downsides are not the things that are being highlighted. Mm. So it's very important that if you're going to do that type of of Um, advertisements that you've actually got to really focus on can we actually do products or is the television better just for brand awareness rather than for specific products so a lot of companies now are just doing brand awareness ones the new commonwealth bank um, can program is an example they're not advertising particular um savings or mortgage products what they're basically saying is we're great and you can trust us um the colonial first State advertisements where they got into the car and drove away um, was an example and the man left the office singing and dancing with a box in his hand very odd um, you you just knew that what that was about was saying you know, there's confidence in the future because of these things. The MLC ad, where where the fellow goes to a museum and there's a car and somebody waving in it, and and historically they're saying that's how you you retired because retirement was a happy place, and and so I think that's about that's complete brand um warn, um sorry advertisements, and they don't have to have the warnings that a specific product one does have to have.
0: So I know we're sort of running out of time already. The time goes by so fast, isn't it? doesn't um, not its it possible if we could just discuss quickly what to do once? Because, you know, we have that philosophy that, you know, everybody breaches at some point, even unintentionally. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you've discovered that you have breached? Um, your well, as
1: depression? I always say, um, report early, report often. Um, it's very important that if something does go wrong, that as soon as practicable, someone is knocking on the door of ASIC and saying, can we have a conversation? And and at the same time, that your 912D notice is being drafted um, and is ready to be presented to to ASIC for discussion. And also that you engage external legal if necessary, or at least can converse with your legal folk so that they're aware of the problem and you can um, work through what the solutions are going to be. Given the amount of civil penalties, though, and the fact that ASIC is handing out less um, EUs and more, in, you know, enforceable out, um, outcomes other than that, I think it's very important that you really think carefully about what you've got to do. Withdrawing the ad immediately is, of course, the starting point um, so that there is, you know, it, it just disappears from from television or the press or whatever or if it's long-term stuff. So, for instance, if you've got it in the Reader's Digest or a magazine or something, that's going to be hard um, because the only way to correct that is, of course, to put a notice at the front of the next time it comes out saying the ad was misleading or whatever. You've obviously got to negotiate that with ASIC because unless it's completely awful, you can, you know, um, it's it's one of those things that you try to avoid. But at the very least, put onto your website that, you know, there was an error and here is, you know, here is an updated advertisement. Mm, or
2: further information.
0: Sorry, I just had a really terrible thought, you know, I was just thinking of ASICS and why not litigate? And I thought, well, compliance professionals should have our own saying um, so it should be looking at the business and say, why not mitigate? I'm sure somebody's come up with that already. Oh, I like
1: that. <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's one of those things, and I, I use the very wishy but not really thing, saying that a breach is a regulatory opportunity, because it's your chance to change the practices of the organisation and to, to say to ASIC, we're really sorry, this was just a blip. And, you know, generally we are people who focus on the right thing and this one just, you know, went through to the keeper. The better thing, though, is to ensure that no ads go through to the mm-hmm. keeper. Ads are actually so important and they are the public face of the organisation and therefore they must be dealt with, with tremendous seriousness regarding, regardless of the glamour that may be around the production of it. As the compliance people and the legal folk and the risk people, you have to step back and not be seduced by the glamour, but to put your hard hat on and to make certain that everybody truly understands that you are saving them personally from personal liability. I think it's,
2: I think it's also worth it. It's not even just the glamour. It's incredibly difficult to sell a financial product because there's not much to say about it that is glamorous. Mm. So, you know, mm. It, mm. I imagine it's quite easy to stray into the um, using symbolism and figures around something... Uh, that can be interpreted in a completely creative way by the audience or, or taking quite, or, yeah. or quite and the use... Yeah. And the hyperbole is a
1: problem, you know, we're the best or we're fabulous. Not, they won't say fabulous, but, you know, we're the best or, you know, out of, out of our, com- our competitors, you know, we're rated this and, you know, all of that can be very, can possibly be put into an advertisement, but you actually have to have complete fact behind it. You just can't say it. And it can't be just that your, your um, uh, sales team says we're the best. So the messages of your sales team have to be completely different or they should be congruent, but, you know, that's not what you're relying on in the production of an and, advertisement. And I think
2: that goes to your point. If you're going to have that conversation with ASIC about something that, that has arisen... It it pays you to have put in the groundwork with your sales team and with your marketing team consistently over time that if they were to look, they could not find that it is a systemic issue, that you've done this more than once. And, you know, and and I do think that that ASIC has a pretty generous um, uh, definition of systemic where it probably only has to happen three times or something. (laughs) Mm. And and they'll use the word... (laughs) so so i think you yeah, need to make sure it's...
1: i think you're being very simple there <laughs> naomi but i i think that the problem is is that given the um the fact that advertisements can be um influential to a number of people it's not like you're picking up um you know, a very discreet magazine about beekeeping, you know, and not everybody's a beekeeper and, and so your your um, circulation is quite small. Yeah. But if you put your ad, say, in, in this, um, the Telegraph or in the Sydney Morning Herald or you put it on Channel 9, the impact is going to be much greater um, then it I think be that's the
2: other thing otherwise. too, Carol, isn't it? When you go back to basics and you drill down with your marketing team and your sales team, and you talk them through, right? Well, you're you're paying for this slot on Channel Nine, and you know it's going to reach X, Y, Z million people. You're after all these million people. Are those million people genuinely your target audience for this particular product? Who you, like going back to you? Going back to your target audience, I know you want to attract sales, but you don't want to attract any old sales um so i think yeah, being genuine right. and real about who that who that target audience like you're saying it once you get it out there it's it's being treated like it's they're all retail clients um, yeah and the very key things is that you know ad- advertisements for complex
1: products are not appropriate for a general audience type um advertisement campaign because that's they're not the type of people that you want attracted to the mm. product. So CFDs are, as an example, a very difficult um, form of, of advertisement because the complexity of them can mean that, you know, they just should never be offered mm. to to newspaper readers or television viewers because if you do that, the chance of that, um, you know, the people in that that sector...
2: Being misled are quite high, um, and, and that's what I even, mean. Of course, about, as we've talked about, about the systemic, oh, sorry. the systemic idea is that it could certainly be viewed as as an issue across the board. If, when asked, your marketing team says, "Well, it's standard practice to advertise all of our products on on line, that no deep thought or risk risk management or risk conduct um, measures yeah. have been thought through for that." And yeah,
1: and and particularly, you know, one of the, the the real risks, of course, is the advertisement of new products, mm-hmm. because new products have, in many ways, greater risks than than mm-hmm. um, older products, because. In terms of investment performance, you don't have anything to say anything about, so you have to make forecasts. And as we know, forecasts are a very difficult area and they have to be based on reasonable assumptions and say they're not guaranteed to occur. Now, if you're doing an advertisement and you want to have that as your disclaimer down the bottom, it can't just be in minute print and it has to be on the screen long enough for somebody to actually read it so it's not just to put an asterisk down to oh you can't read it without a magnifying class it actually has to either be included in the text and not mm. not read out as forecast blah, blah, blah. but it actually has to be that a um, consumer can understand hear or read the disclaimer mm. before the ad is completed
0: so i might just jump in there because um i think we are Definitely at the end, I was going to ask for final thoughts, but I think from that back and forth you guys just did there, that sort of covers most of any of the final thoughts. I guess one thing I would like to hear is as a compliance, risk and compliance professional, how can you make sure that your organization does not find yourself in a situation where you're in reach? Huh.
1: That's a $64 question, really. Um, <laughs> you know, as I've said, read RG 234, make certain that your marketing people understand what it is that the good practice guidance actually is not just guidance, it truly is mandatory. I had somebody argue that a RG wasn't um, a mandatory document the other day, which I thought was a very interesting way of approaching life. So I I think that the first off is make certain that you've got your brief right, that you've actually clarified what it is that has to be said, that there has been appropriate sign-off at a senior level. If the head of marketing is able to sign off on documents, that's okay. But at the very least, the head of marketing has to sign off. And and that you retain copies of the advertisements so that if ASIC comes comes in, it's there as a, as a you know, aid memoir, for want of a better word, um, of the the exact ad that was put onto, uh, onto the screen. Because sometimes... There are changes, and you know, they go back to the advertising agency and they'll make a little tiny change, and next thing it doesn't look anything like you it actually was signed off on. So, it's about the process being closely followed, and that you get appropriate sign offs, and that you verify the statements against the PDS or about the product description so that there is absolutely no doubt that what they're saying matches up to the formal documentation that, you, that is relevant for that particular product.
2: I'd, I'd add to what Carol said. That definitely, obviously, needs to be covered. But, you know, an ongoing relationship with your sales and marketing team so that they tap into the values that your organisation say they have, that the, the rhetoric around customer-centric, um, you know, care and consideration is real and is translated into those areas as well. Too often it's only focused on the customer facing people as opposed to the people who are marketing to the customer. They still have a relationship with that customer and they still need to tap into those values and and that help. And hopefully you can make then the requirements that ASIC have in place as protections for consumers a real thing that that resonates with the values of the organisation that they should be espousing as well.
1: And and that's absolutely right, Naomi, because the other component is that when an ad goes out um, to the public, your call centre um, or client services team need to be absolutely aware of what the advertisements are that are out in the public domain and what the messages are so that they are absolutely on point, that you script any response to it. So if somebody rings up and says, oh, I've seen an ad for XYZ product, that they can call up the script very quickly that will highlight the issues that are in the particular advertisement and how the person can access a particular product. You do not want to have your call center or customer service people provide a gloss which is not going to be signed off by by your by yourselves and and that that helps to mitigate the problems as well. Yeah.
0: This podcast was a production of the Governance, Risk and Compliance Institute. And the music was produced by Rob Neary.